0: I feel like this is a pivotal uh, sermon today for us as a, as a church. And I want to talk to you about a new day and a new opportunity. It comes from a passage that has uh, really had an amazing impact on me in my time here at Horizon. It keeps coming back as the Lord is showing the things He wants to do. But it's about Joshua. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1 today. <clears throat> And they're about to enter the land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hundreds of years they'd been promised this land that that came to be known as the promised land that God would lead them to. You know that Moses, after the plagues, helped lead the people out of Egypt, but because of their disobedience, they wandered for 40 years. Well, this is where this book picks up. It's called the bridge book by some because it's the bridge from the bondage to finally walking into the promised land. And a new leader shows up. His name is Joshua, a young man. And God has some words for him as he starts this passage. But the point is, he's about to fulfill a promise that he'd given to these people long ago. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come now and speak to hearts. Lord, there are dreams that you've put in people's hearts that come from you that sit here today, there are promises. And there are places that you're calling them to, God. And I pray for each individual, I pray for us as a church, that you'd speak to us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. First thought today God takes us from bondage to blessing. That's what he's doing with these guys. They've been in slavery, they've been wandering in the desert. Now it's deliverance time. Joshua 1, verse 1 says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. So here it is, finally the fulfillment of a promise that's been there for so many years and that happens for us, too. Sometimes you feel like God's led you to something. You wonder where it's at. Listen, Bible time is usually not hours, days, weeks, or months. Bible time is usually years. And so when God gives you a promise or, or drops something in your heart, <clears throat> it's not usually days, weeks, or months. It's years. And you've you got to walk it out. And these people are, are uh, after all these years, are walking into this promised land that the Lord had said he would give them. Joshua is their new leader. Sujo mentioned last week that Joshua, uh, the meaning of that is Jehovah is salvation. It's the Hebrew, the the New Testament's written in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew form of the word Jesus, Joshua is. So it's the same as Jesus in the Hebrew language. And Joshua's role of leading Israel into the promised land is, is now becoming prominent. But what we need to know is that Joshua is the Old Testament type or the foreshadowing of Jesus because Jesus is the one who brings us salvation and brings us into the promises as we follow him. So Joshua is about to lead them into the promised land. He's about to be the leader that brings fulfillment, but but he's also pointing the way. This whole book of Joshua is pointing the way to Jesus who would bring us the wisdom and treasures of salvation and make us more than conquerors. Jesus wants to lead us in conquest now too, just like he's about to lead them into the new promised land. He wants to lead you to capture, to seize, to take advantage of all the promises that he's given you. They're in the word. They're for us. And as they lived in obedience and followed Christ, or followed Joshua rather, as we live in obedience and follow Christ, we too can fulfill all that God has planned for our lives and see his promises lived out among us. Jesus is one that leads us out of slavery just like Moses and Joshua led these guys out of slavery. He leads us out of bondage, the bondage of sin. Look at this passage, Romans 6, verse 6. And before we read it, let me say this. We're in a strange day, theologically, in, in America where what's starting to become prominent is that everybody can be saved and forgiven of sins, and that's true. That's absolutely true. But what's left out is We're starting to tell people it's okay to go ahead and live in your sin, that it's not that big a deal, it doesn't matter. Well, here's the problem, sin hurts you, and it hurts people around you, and Jesus has come not only to forgive you of your sin, but to deliver you from the bondage of sin. There's bondage to alcoholism, it hurts you, it hurts Your spouse, it hurts your children. Jesus has come to deliver you from the bondage of pornography. It will destroy your marital relationship. Jesus delivers from sexual sin. He delivers from homosexuality. He delivers from cheating, stealing, lying. We don't go on living these ways if we're gonna be walking into all that he would have for us. He has enough power to help us overcome these things. And he wants us to because they all hurt us and they all hurt others. Look at it here in Romans 6, verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So Jesus not only has the power to forgive you, God not only had the power to to bring them to the promised land, God had the power to take them in and God has the power to, to help you overcome all the sin of your past and the sin in your present. Jesus has power over sin and he can enable us. One place I saw this lived out recently was a story that I heard about Maury Davis. As a matter of fact, Maury Davis is a is a man that now sits on Sujo John's board who preached as a missionary here last week. But Maury Davis, tragically, one morning as a teenager in 1975, high on meth, killed a woman named Joella Lyles. And it was a senseless murder. LSD, strung out, and he went to prison for it. And rightly so. But while he was in prison, there was a pastor from Irving, Texas, named J. Don George, who, who heard from a family member that they wanted him to visit this young man, Maury Davis, in jail. So George, Pastor George went. And as he began to visit him, this young man put his faith in Jesus Christ, this murderer. And J. Don George kept going back every week because there was such a, a hunger in this young man's heart to know Jesus. And for eight and a half years, he discipled him in prison going every week. Maury Davis started Bible studies in prison. He served his prison time and eventually got out, and J. Don George hired him as the janitor for the church. That might make you a little nervous, huh? But before long, he was not only the janitor, he became the head over all the all the staff that were janitors in this very large church, a church of thousands. And he was growing and trying to become more like Jesus, and people were seeing it happen before their eyes. And one afternoon, there was a discussion in the hallway. Some of the people were unhappy with the youth pastor, and it, almost in a joke, Pastor George said, because he thought it would pull them off of uh, given the... The youth pastor a hard time he said well why don't we make Maury Davis the youth pastor well Maury Davis is the one who had taken someone's life and to his surprise they said he's great let's do that and they even knew about his past well he becomes a youth pastor and the Lord blesses his ministry in time He earned people's trust more and more where more responsibility was given. He eventually becomes an evangelist, goes on the road, tells his story, and it's been told on national news uh, uh, networks, not just ministry television shows. And eventually he wound up in Tennessee where he's at now, in Nashville, Tennessee, at Cornerstone Church, pastoring a church that many say is one of the best in America, Maury Davis, the one who took someone's life. How in the world could that happen? Some would say it shouldn't happen, but they forget about Moses, who was a murderer. And they forget about David, in the Bible, who was a murderer. And they forget about Paul, who went about persecuting Christians and gathering coats as the people stoned other Christians and killed them, and Paul was encouraging them and leading the way. But mostly what they forget about is the grace of God that forgives, and the grace of God through Jesus Christ that breaks the bondage of sin. Romans 6.16, this is written by Paul, the one who was persecuting and wanting to see Christians killed. Now the grace of God has come to him. And now under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans 6, he writes, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Now I want you to see personal responsibility in that. Christians choose to obey or not. If we go a wrong direction, it's nobody's fault but ours because we're the ones who make the choices. Does God love us? Yes. Will God bless our sin? No, he will not. It will still hurt. It will still wound. But here's the thing. He's great enough to not only forgive us but to enable us to overcome and change our behavior. We take a step towards him and then he empowers us. It says you can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves of sin but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you become slaves to righteousness. Jesus took the people in this passage from bondage to to deliverance and Jesus takes uh, us Uh, from bondage to deliverance as well. Second thought today. God gives each of us a promise and a place in his kingdom. And we could say not only a promise, but he gives us all of his promises. Joshua 1, here it is for them, and it's written to them, but we can learn from it, right? It's for us as well. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea and on the west. Verse 5 No one will be able to stand up against you all your days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he said to Joshua as a leader. He was telling him, It's time for the promise. I have a place for you. Let's go. I believe that God has put some things in your heart. Dreams that were dropped in there by him. And many of you carry a vision that has not yet begun. But God would have you to know that when he calls you, he promises to back you, and he'll take you to the place that seems so far away, and that is victory. He tells Joshua, let's go. Come on, son, I've called you. I'm gonna do it through you. God brought them out of a place of bondage into the promised land. I want to stop for a few moments and talk to you about how this passage has ministered to me through the years. It's been a pivotal passage for me as a pastor here for 21 years. Because I remember when I was uh, first thinking about coming to Grace Community, and that's what this church was called before it was called Horizon. We had a name change a few years ago. But I met with the pastor here, came out of George Fox College with the Christian Ministries uh, Bachelor of Arts degree, and uh, I was looking to be a youth pastor. And I, I loved Pastor Steve, I loved the fellowship, I felt, uh, I, I loved that they, that they had a word orientation, a spirit orientation, that they were relational, I loved that they were casual, I just liked them a lot. And and they were casual before casual was cool, just so you know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't bring that into this church. That was here when I got here. But I liked it, and that's why I, I thought, you know, I think I want to go there. I think the Lord is leading me. But when I went back to talk to my pastor at a city about 20 miles away, he's a very godly guy that I loved. He was one of my mentors. He loved me, and he told me, I don't think you should go there. And what I remember him saying is, that church is a black sheep church, and you need to stay away from it. And it confused me because I never saw it that way at all. That's not what I saw when I was there with the, with the people. And, and, you know, I've been taught to honor and to love spiritual authority from the time I was a child. So I'm not afraid of it like a lot of people are. I'm afraid to not listen to it. So, so um, when he tells me that, it just it, it tears me up because I feel like I'm supposed to go. And so I did at that juncture in my life what I want to encourage a lot of people to do when they're at a transition point in their life. I fasted and prayed for a period of time to say, "Lord, what what do you want to do? Are you taking me there? Are you taking me somewhere else? I'm I'm confused here." That pastor even offered me a job at his church, but I didn't feel that it was right. And and in the end, he was well intentioned, but it wasn't the will of God because as I as I prayed, I remember opening the scriptures one morning and. And reading this passage right here, be strong and courageous because I've called you to this land. Now, I know that that passage, you could misuse it at any moment, but i had been fasting and praying. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit took that thing right to my heart and confirmed in me in that moment with, 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 with just a ton of energy that I was supposed to go to Grace Community as a youth pastor, that God was calling me to, to this place. And so I came. Eventually, I remember reading the passage in Joshua when I had come back to be the pastor. So I was here for three years, went away for six to be a a state youth director for the Assemblies of God Youth. And and I came back to pastor. They called me back to pastor. And I'm studying in Joshua. This was probably 17 years ago, and I'm reading this passage again, and I I remember as I'm reading it, I've called you to lead these people. And I thought, wow, this is the passage that he spoke to me about to come here as a youth pastor. And in that moment, I realized, wow, he had in mind way back there the thought that I would be the pastor of this church someday. That wasn't even in my head. So the passage ministered to me again. Now we go several years ahead. I'm in another sermon here at Grace Community Church and I'm studying this passage again and we've already made the decision that we're pursuing land and we purchase land and we're trying to get the building built and we're working on it and I read in the passage as I come to it again surprising me again I have brought you here to lead these people into the new land I'm not kidding you I put my head on my desk and I cried. Now, if you think I'm inserting myself too much into this story and making myself too much of a big deal, I I apologize. But I'm just telling you the way that I feel it's come to me and it's my personal testimony, so maybe just give me that much at least. I laid my head on the desk and I cried. Knowing that all along he's had a plan and he's had a will for my life. He's had promises for me and promises for his people here and he had a place for me and a place for his people here. And then, most recently, Karen and I were on our break, our sabbatical, and thank you for loving us enough to give us that time off. Every seven years we get a sabbatical and we're refreshed and energized and ready to hit it for a new season, uh, but, but without your love and care for us, uh, you, you take such good care of us, I, I, don't, I don't know that we would be so emotionally healthy without you, so thank you for, for that kindness. Often when a pastor goes on a sabbatical, they get to get the 40,000 foot view instead of the trees in the forest view of ministry. And it's not unusual when they get extended time off for the Lord to speak from that large view rather than that small focus of week to week. And we were traveling around because we've been talking about multi-site campuses and moving to other cities, Horizon, one church in many locations. We were traveling to multi-site churches where they had video venues and where they had live preaching in, in, in their multi-site. And one of the places we went was Junction City because I have a friend Who's at Willamette Christian Center in Eugene, and they had taken hold of a small church that had pretty much died. They renovated the building. They sent people out there, and in that small community where nothing had been going for years in that church, it was rejuvenated because of the leadership from the other church. They sent good worship. They they sent a campus pastor there, and it, it was great. We were there being ministered. We we're enjoying the worship, and they called for prayer, and. They did it different. They put the people who are going to pray for people in the back. And they said, if you want prayer, excuse me, during worship, just go to the back and receive prayer. And I wasn't thinking about getting prayer there necessarily. I'm just visiting. But I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. And I like to be careful when I say that to you because uh, if you're not careful and you listen to me, you'll think everything you hear in your head is God. And it's not. Uh, I've even thought I've heard him sometimes, and I haven't. All right, so so I, but but I do know this: that he says my sheep know my voice, and as strangely they will not follow. And if his sheep knows his know his voice, then that must mean he speaks to them, right? And and I felt distinctly this impression, so much so that I turned and look. I want you to go back and get prayed for, and go to that lady right there. Well, I've never had anything like that as an impression. I got to go to that certain lady, you know. So I turned to Karen. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to back, go back and get prayer. Will you go with me? She said, sure. So we walked back there and we got prayer and it was a couple and the man prayed first and I shared with them that we're thinking about multi-site, that's why we're here, would you kind of pray over that? And as we prayed, when we were done, the lady spoke spoke what I believe is a prophecy that's for this church, for me especially. You get to judge on this story too, right? I don't get to make the call on everything, so we all get to judge, but let me tell you what it was. She said, I feel like the Lord is saying that as you go, he's going to give you the places and he's going to bless where you set your feet. Now here's this passage coming back again. And he wants you to know that he sees the veins in your feet where the blood is flowing as the Holy Spirit in the same way will flow to to bless others in the places that you go. And then she said something like this, He wants you to know it's not going to be easy initially, but in the long run, he will bless it greatly. Now, see, words like that last one, that's gonna be really important for me to remember because, you know, a good dad tells you that there'll be hard days sometimes, right? But that's the word that came, and I didn't even think about that. I had that in my notes, and when I went over them last night, because I'll go over them two or three times, when I went over them last night, I'm reading the passage For the first time, I thought of the feet thing that she said. Oh my goodness, this is the same thing I'm preaching on. This is the same passage that keeps coming back. Now, it's not just for our church, and it's not just for the children of Israel, but I want you to know that personally for you, he has a promise. He has promises, and he has blessing. And I think you're going to have to hear from him, take hold of it, And walk it out with the things that he would give you. I'm thinking of a couple in our church that I've met with a couple times that they have a dream that I believe the Lord's put it in their heart. They've been pursuing it and good things have happened but it's not been resourced. They've not found a place yet. They just know what they're supposed to do. But I believe as they take hold of the promise and the dream that God put in their heart that he's going to bless it in his perfect timing. This is a church where we try not to hold tightly to anyone because we don't have people that we own. You belong to Jesus Christ. You're the sheep of his fold. And I'm just an under-shepherd trying to follow him as we go forward. I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow Jesus. I hope I can say, as Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ. But some of you, your journey will take you beyond this place when you take hold of the dream that he's given you. And it's going to be awesome as you trust him in it. He has a promise and a place for you in his kingdom, just like he did for the children of Israel, just like he does for this church. And I want you to know that when you take hold of his dream and you take hold of him and you follow him with obedience, that you will be victorious too. He told these guys, I'm going to give it to you. You're going to be victorious. Look what he says to you, to me, to us. Romans 8.37 Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You're more than a conqueror through him. Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When he calls us, he equips us, he empowers us, and just like they were about to get it done because they followed, you will overcome too, as you follow him in the direction that he leads. Third thought today, and this is an important one out of this passage, Courage and obedience are required as you follow. Joshua 1.6, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Now think of this. He's a young leader. He's had some victories of his own, but he's following perhaps the greatest leader ever in Israel's history. He's following Moses. That is no small Follow-up right there. That's a big shadow. And God, I believe, is breathing courage into him. but he's asking for it as well. Be strong and courageous. I will lead you. You will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their forefathers to give them. I want you to notice in this that he said, I've given it to you, but now I want you to go get it. And they literally had to go into the... To, to the land and fight for it. Now, I don't know about you, but if God tells me I, I'm gonna give you something, but I want you to fight for it, my first impression is, that doesn't feel like a gift. <laughs> that feels like a fight. But he would require them to go and to fight. Now, here's the thing about your dream, about their dream, about our dream, that if you are called from God, and you'll take the first step when he says to go. At the moment you take a step, something happens. You start to find his enablement and his empowerment. Because the truth is, these guys don't have enough power to defeat these people. You remember the 12 spies that went out? Only Joshua, this guy when he was young that we're talking about today, and Caleb came back with a good report. Two out of 12. They said, uh, We can take it. The other 10 said, The giants are huge. The armies are huge. We can't do it. Let's run. You ever felt that way about the dream? (laughs) That temptation comes to everybody who's following God's will for God's purposes. But I think another thing we have to watch in Christianity is this whole bless me club thing that we get going. The Bible tells every one of us as believers to take up our cross and follow Jesus. I just heard this morning about a man who died suddenly. And the person who told me that story said this, uh, life is so short. And I said, life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And here's the point. This life is not all about you just meandering. This life is a life that God has given you to work alongside him to build his kingdom. And someday you'll stand before him and you'll be judged. And if you know Jesus, you'll get to be in, but you can bring treasures that you lay up in heaven with you when you go by doing his work and building his kingdom here. And that's what it means when the Bible says, take up your cross and follow him. That you know this life is not all just about your pleasure. That it's about working with him to build his kingdom so as many people as can get to heaven will get there and you want to be a part of it. But the cross is a sign of what? Well, I know it's a sign of great victory, right? And that's the cross is empty out here when you drive on and it's purposeful. We don't put the dead Jesus on there because the dead Jesus isn't there. He's not dead anymore. He's risen. He's alive. So it's a sign of victory, but it's also a sign of torture. It's a sign of pain and hardship and heartache. I promise you, in 21 years, I've been hurt several times deeply at this church. Some of them was just me pouting too much. Others of them were just, they were big hurts. But I've never never believed that we do what we do, only if we get blessing. I'm trying to build his kingdom and follow him. And so when he calls you to do something, it's going to be hard at times. It's going to be difficult. You're going to say, I don't see it in weeks, and months. I don't even see it in the first few years. And God says like he does to these people, keep following because someday I'm going to bring you into a promised land. And I'm thinking of Mark and Tracy right now. Three years they've been laboring in that city. I'm sure along the way they've asked God, hey, uh, We thought we had a promise here, but we're not seeing a lot of what we want to see. And God said, you know what, I'm building something in you to to build a new plan that I have for this city. And then they come out with a strategy that to me is spot on, man. I just bear witness. It's spot on for how God, it's one of the ways that God wants to reach Portland and will work fantastically. But I want to thank you for sacrificing I wish I could tell you how Jesus feels about you. I wish I could really convey it because he loves you so much. He's seen your tears. He's seen your hardship. He knows your sacrifice, but here's the deal. Great victory is coming. The promise is coming to the place that he's called you. And that's true not only for these people, it's true for us, but they've had courage and obedience, and we need, it's required for you, it's required for me, it's required for where we're going as a church. Courage and obedience. Be strong and courageous. God gives them a land, and he gives them the responsibility to step out by faith and go to claim it. He said, I give you every place that you set your foot, as I've promised. And then as they stepped, the enablement, the power of God came to make their smaller army the greater army, because he was behind them. Don't forget this. God is with us, and that makes it easier. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Action. Action. Fighting, it's required. You say, I don't like that word in Christianity, fighting. Well, look at this. 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight. That's the Bible. Fight the good fight. For the true faith, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you've confessed so well before many witnesses. But it shows us that it's a different kind of fighting in our day. We don't fight with physical weapons, and we're not hurting people physically. That's not what we're about. Some religions are into killing people to get them to turn to their way, but we're we're into telling people that Jesus died for you, that you might have grace covering your life. So it says in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us win as we go. And we need to step out. Also, we need to claim those promises. And we do this by following the plan that he gives and choosing to walk in obedience to his word. I'm gonna talk more about obedience to his word next week. For this church... This new day, this new opportunity for us, the parallel of this passage, to me, I, I keep thinking about this new multi-site approach we're gonna take. And I've showed you this slide before, but I wanna show you again. In the next five to seven years, I believe we'll be in at least five locations. And the idea is we'd start with our Tualatin campus, go to Sherwood, Progress Ridge area, and when I say Portland, that's not the heart of Portland because those are different people. I don't even understand them. We're gonna help him get them, right? <laughs> I'm a Burbs guy, all right? And, and so we're going to be right on the edge of Portland, this this side south, southwest. And then Lake Oswego, there's a great burden on my heart for Lake Oswego, a call that I, I believe the Lord is is giving me, and I honestly believe He's giving us. So today, you know, we've been walking this out. We've been talking about it for a year. Last year at our business meeting, I brought it up, shared it. Some puzzled looks, you know, some glazed eyes, like what? Today at Sherwood, at the S, uh, I'm sorry, at the Woodhaven Church, a church of about 200, 250 people. I preached there two weeks ago. They're meeting to consider whether they will become, See, because you never know exactly what, because to us it's, it's a straight line to, to this, right? But to God, it's a journey where he's bringing people in, he's touching our hearts, he's giving us wisdom. Sometimes we stray and he brings us back. But the journey's never here to there and it's easy. The journey is I know where we're going, but I don't really know exactly what the path is gonna to be to get there. We have to follow God step by step. So today they meet, and they're considering at Woodhaven whether they will become a Horizon site. I preached there two weeks ago. I fell in love with those people, and so they would be a, another location for Horizon Community Church in Sherwood if they decide to do that, and then we, we still have some things to work on. We still have to talk it through the elders. We'll bring it to you in an annual business meeting. There's still things to do, but, but we're walking it out and we're starting to see something happen. And if that happens, then Esperanza, which we have worked on with Woodhaven Church to, for that Hispanic work that meets at our other site. Uh, remember, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel good about letting other churches in there until it was Esperanza. And then I felt like the Lord saying, this is a good one. So if Woodhaven comes in, they've fathered that church along with our, our, our mothered the church, whatever you want to say, along with our assistants. If Woodhaven comes in, then Esperanza that, that Hispanic uh, church there on our property at Saggart would also be a horizon site. So immediately, we'd be three one church in three locations. Now, we're still seeking God about these things, but I'm putting it before you because I want you to understand that he's, he's calling us to move too. The moment you start to rest on where you've been, you're gonna rest too long and get covered up. Your feet will will we'll be like their quicksand if you stay too long because it'll be too hard to move. We have to have ready feet to move to where the Lord's calling us. I believe that he's calling us this way. And people say, well, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to take people out of here and the church will get smaller. Now listen, if the same amount of people that are here go to our location there, then we're still the same size. It's one church in many locations. But the idea is, with that map that you saw there, that when you go 15 to 20 minutes beyond your current location, you pick up 15 or 20 minutes more beyond where people weren't willing to drive to before. And don't forget this. This is one of the things that the Lord showed me in a big way on sabbatical. He redirected my heart a little bit because I was thinking about this as primarily bringing people into the kingdom growth for the for the church, growth for the kingdom of God. But God caused me to see that it's more than that. It's development of young leaders too. That he wants us to raise up young leaders, young men, young women who have a heart for him, to put them in places uh, of, of leadership in these new locations with a campus pastor, a worship leader, a children's pastor in that location, and, 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 and youth leader in that location. And then all those people that you see functioning here would function, we we need leaders over there for ushers and greeters. He's saying, I want to raise up more young leaders to build my kingdom. And honestly, where I'm at, I know I look like I'm in my early 30s, but I'm actually 54. I mean, I'm I'm at the stage of my life where I'm actually thinking of legacy a little bit. What am I leaving people? What leaders am I investing in? And I believe this is a day that the Lord's called me, that he's called us to raise up young leaders to take hold and to get it done for his name. Michelle Leisman, many of you know her, Tom's wife, who's one of our worship leaders and one of our elders. Many years ago, we were out here on this property. We had just secured the property. There was no excavation that was done. There was no building. There was no cement. It was just dirt, briars, some trees, we cut them down, I'm sorry. But <laughs> we, were, we were coming out to pray. We'd purchased the land for, I think it was $2.5 million, which was an incredible buy. We needed it to come into the urban growth boundary, and if it came in, it would immediately be the 40 acres that was a little over $2 million would immediately be worth $16 million if it came into the urban growth boundary. And God brought it in. Now, we, we don't, that doesn't matter much to us because we're keeping the land, right? So we're not, we're not gonna parse it out and give it, to, we're gonna build stuff here in time, God's way. And I don't believe, I'm not giving up on the dream here with the buildings at all. As a matter of fact, I'm telling you, that's ramping up too. I can't tell you details, but that's ramping up where people are coming alongside us and, and more things are gonna happen there. But when we're out there praying with nothing and no money beyond the two and a half we've just given for the land, Michelle had a vision. And some people will uh, will say, you know, that stuff's kind of weird. People just say what they want to say. And yet, the Bible says that the gifts move, that they're for today, and he will show us things. The Bible shows us how to live, but it'll never tell you to go to the Boone's Ferry site and start a new campus. It never says that in the Bible. So you have to be led by God and his spirit along with the word to figure this out. And one of the things, the, the vision that Michelle had, and, and, and one of the ways I know that words are from the Lord is if they keep reappearing and make sense. Right? You get to judge those words, but you judge them over time as well. And, and, and here was the word that Michelle saw a big like, like a big wheel, and the center of the wheel was Jesus Christ. And then going from there were like halls, like spokes almost, with doors outside, a big wheel. And the, the doors, the hallways, those were the ministries of Horizon. And as the doors were being opened, ministry was happening for God everywhere. And she felt like it was, you know, here in this most immediate area. And I remember when we changed our small group system to to to. to to have more and be in homes and try to get to hundreds rather than the 10 we could do here at the church. When When we did that, I remembered that word. And now as we come to this day where we're looking at the new sites, I'm thinking back to that word that Michelle had that day as well, that there'd be new doors that open and new places and new things that God would do that would come from this place. There was a church in the Revelation in the Bible where God said this, I believe it was the Church of Philadelphia, I know all the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. There are times in your life, in the life of a church, where God opens a door and you have an opportunity to walk through it, but it's a choice. For those of you who he's given a vision to, the door is open and I want to encourage you today to have the courage to walk through if God's called you. The temptation if we're not careful is we want to see it and then we'll walk but that's not the way it works. You walk and then you see it. That's that's faith. I don't have the resources. I take a step and what I need today for the Lord's kingdom to be built the thing that he's leading me to he brings that in the moment. I remember driving to the old site on Sunday morning and stopping at a stop sign at and and Martinazzi, the Lord spoke to me a lot at that intersection. I don't know what that was about. But it was just before Sundays, usually, when i turned turn that corner. And I remember saying as I pulled up there, carrying a great burden, because it's, it's, it's not necessarily fun to be the guy to say, we need to sacrifice to give to build God's kingdom. Lots of people don't like that. And I remember just as I was about to turn that corner, I said to the Lord, 12 million dollars. God, how are we going to get $12 million? And the Lord said to me, how much do you need right now? I thought, well, we got a couple hundred thousand dollars of permits for moving. We're good now. And I felt he said this to me, how about if I give it to you when you need it? And I said, well, that'd that'd be good. That'd be great. Yeah, let's do that if you're going to do that. And that's the way it's going to be with you and your dream. Go! Have the courage to go, step, and then watch him move. And then it becomes part of the story to show he's in it. It becomes part of everyone seeing it's not you, it's him. And he's called you to some things. And I say that because I always know that maybe there's just a dozen of you that have something on your heart, but it's a big deal to God. So I speak to you this morning. Follow that dream that God has given you. Walk through the door, and he's going to bless it. God led these people into new land for his glory. He's going to lead us into new land for his glory. He's going to lead you to new land, new places for his glory. And the point is we're going to elevate Jesus and his word everywhere we go.